Well, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, Pastor Kyle and I have begun a great relationship, uh, and we get together and have lunch, and, and so I was honored when he asked me to speak during this sabbatical period for him. I want to introduce my wife, Suzette. Stand up and wave at the people there, you know, so I know those of you online are not seeing her, but she's beautiful, and so that's why, that's why I married her, you know, so... Uh, so glad to have her with me. She's one of my spiritual supports. In fact, just before I came up, I said, just pray for me, you know. And uh, she just put her arm around me and prayed for me. And later, we're going to run off into the woods together. So. <laughs> so, my name is Ronnie Warren, and I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life, and I'm excited about the opportunity to come and talk to you. I'm with a ministry called Act for Israel Now, and um, two year, a year and a half ago, the Lord spoke to me. Dr. Daniel Williams is uh, the founder of uh, Act for Commission, and his wife, Sharon Williams, uh, Suzette travels with her. They go to places like South Africa and China and uh, Nepal and places like that. And my wife and I have been missionaries for uh, over 30 years now. And uh, uh, we've done ministry. I don't remember Suzette's number, but uh, the number of countries we've been in. But I've led 43 trips to 21 different countries around the world. And uh, so when we started... Uh, working with Act for, for Co-Mission, uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart because I really didn't know as much about Israel as I wished that I had of. I took Hebrew to get through seminary um, 42 years ago, and I know that's a long time ago. Some of you are not even close to that age yet, so don't remind me <laughs> of that, please. You know, but... Again, God stirred my heart in November, and uh, uh, this past November of 19. Uh, first of all, to do two things. Uh, I had already been to Israel before. Uh, one was to go to Israel again. Second was to connect with Jews and a Jewish congregation and begin my restudy of Hebrew. And so I'm not here today to try to uh, make you become uh, uh, Jews or uh, instill Judaism in you because Judaism has uh, its own limitations as uh, we know. But the thing was, is God said, if you're going to be able to minister to these people, you're going to have to know them and you're going to have to know how they think and that sort of thing. And the more that I got into studying Hebrew again the second time around, I began to realize that I was a little bit angry at my own Christian, uh, uh, evangelical Christian world for not helping me to understand more about uh, the, the feast of the Old Testament, uh, study of the Old Testament, learning the language and, and that sort of thing. You know, one of my Hebrew professors said... Uh, to read the text in English of either the Old Testament or the New Testament. The New Testament is written in Kone Greek and the Old Testament written in ancient Hebrew. He said it's kind of like kissing your wife through a screen door. 
you're not going to get the full impact. And uh, so, you know, you can do it, but why? And so the idea is to begin to learn what we can about uh, uh, our Jewish heritage. And also begin to realize that in that, there is a lot of anti-Semitism in the Christian world. For example, you know, uh, uh, they started to worship on Sunday for the whole reason of not wanting to look like Jews and, and keeping the Sabbath. Shame on us. You know, the fact that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. He was probably born during the Feast of Tabernacles because there are only three pilgrimage uh, holidays in the Jewish cycle where they go up to Jerusalem uh, to, to worship. And it probably was the Feast of Tabernacle, the latter part of September or the first part of October. Now, the Jews keep a lunar cycle. That's why the, the dates and the times and stuff don't always line up. And so they add a few months every 19 years at, at various intervals to kind of keep up with what we call the Gregorian calendar. Now, that may be more stuff than you really want to know, but I just want to, in my heart, to take you down a journey that will help you begin to respect and learn and, and appreciate our Jewish heritage. And uh, if you're uh, anti-Semitic, just remember Jesus was a Jew. Uh, you know, disciples were Jews, uh, you know. And so it's important. But today I'm going to be talking primarily about the, um, the priesthood of the believer. And I put together notes specifically for today. So if you did not get your notes, uh, Jackie, I don't know if you've got extras. If you did not get your notes, you can raise your hand and uh, someone will bring you those. Those of you who are listening online, I, I assure you if you go to uh, the, the website or contact the church uh, that they would be more than happy to get you a copy of the notes because I think the notes are going to be beneficial to you today because I am going to share a, a couple of Jewish words or Hebrew words today and bring you some meaning. And it's very important that you have that just to be able to draw from the, um, the, uh, the meanings of those to really to capture the concept of the priesthood of the believer. Now, anytime I speak before any congregation or group of people, I always have to keep in mind that some of you have had a lot of teaching about the authority of the believer, and some of you have had almost none, and then everyone else falls somewhere in between. So I want to start with an illustration, and I don't know if we have this illustration exactly uh, on, on the screen for you, but you do have it in your notes. Now, this series that we're in is called What's Next? And my instinct was, and when I was praying about this, I said, Lord, what is what's next? And he said, you are. You are what's next. You are the next step in uh, the world's existence. And so I want you to get this. So up in the right-hand corner there, I'm going to just kind of describe it for those viewing online, uh, is this. There are four boxes. The four boxes are authority, power, 
knowledge and compassion together, and then mission. Now, they're tied together with lines that uh, I've indicated are truth. Truth has to tie together all four of those aspects of the authority of the believer. And it all passes through the Word of God. Now, when we're talking about truth, I'm not talking about whether it's a uh, political statement or not a political statement. I'm talking about a, a truth like this. If you run out in front of a car and the car is going 50 miles an hour and you run out in front of it, the chances are you're going to get run over and maybe even killed. That is a statement of truth. You understand that? All right. So, so constantly these four positions. So we've got, I'm going to do it so it's uh, correct from the screen. All right. So we've got authority. We've got power. Then we've got uh, knowledge and compassion and mission, all right? Now, if you'll see, you'll see that there are lines that go from corner to corner because there is this constant tension between power and knowledge and compassion, and we're going to see that in a little bit. And there's also this tension between authority and mission. And then there's all of these outside lines that hold this thing so that it stays in alignment. Say alignment. I want to stay in alignment. Okay, I'm talking now. So we want to stay in alignment. We want to keep everything uh, right and in the proper perspective. And we also want to continue on to grow in our understanding how authority works. Now, if you look at that process... I would like, if you've got a pen, just take a, a pen and draw some little curly lines out, out on the outside of the boxes. Those represent demonic activity. Just curly lines, however you want to do it, squiggly lines, whatever. That is what I would call interference. Because the demonic world is constantly wanting to reach in and drag you off in one direction to where you get foc so focused on that particular aspect of the authority of the believer that you get out of balance, you get out of alignment, and you're stretched in different ways. And I, I'm not trying to bash any churches, but let me say that almost all the things that unbelievers don't like about us as Christians is because we as churches or denominations or whatever have gotten pulled in some direction out of alignment from this balance of power. And so we get over into rules and regulations and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, you, you know, we don't smoke, drink, or chew, and we don't go with the girls that do, you know, sort of thing. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about smoking. Now, you can smoke. You know, it won't send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. You know. But, and so, we have to be careful with our rules and regulations that we superimpose on people. Because when we do, then we get drawn out of alignment. All right? So that's kind of the diagram, and I'm going to move on from that because we're going to try to identify some things here. You know, I want to say, first of all, thanks to Pastor David. He did a great job last week, and, and I appreciate him hosting me and 
and the, the other staff members, Jackie, and uh, just people making the guys back in the sound booth, you know, the, the unsung heroes, you know, back here, you know, that, that make it all happen behind with the, you know, the knobs. I, you know, I'm, I hope that they're keeping up with that and not talking to Moscow. Come in, Moscow. Come in. Come in, you know. But, you know, my wife and I have traveled pretty extensively. We have some cards and some information out on the, the island there in the uh, 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 foyer. So you, you feel free to pick one of those up. But the heart that we have had for all these years uh, working side by side is to take the message to the nations. Because Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says that we're to go and to make disciples, right? And there is no comeback clause in that, that passage of Scripture. You just keep on going. So my favorite thing to do is to teach people what I have learned. And, and so I hope you walk away from this with an appreciation, first of all, that God has called you and has given you some authority in the earth. And I want to help you learn how to use that. Because I often hear people talk about the fact that, you know, well, God's got everything in con under control. Everything's in, in his power. Well, if he's got it in control, he's surely made a mess of it. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to step back and say, well, that's true. God has all authority and all power. But the reality is he's chosen to impart that to us and create a, a covenant relationship with us. In the Old Testament, it said when people cut a covenant, they would actually take an animal and they would cut the animal in half. And then they would walk between that. And that was cutting the covenant. It was an outward gesture of the fact that we are two entities. The difference between a covenant and a contract is the fact that both people in a covenant have to choose to nullify, nullify the, the covenant. It can't be just one. You know, in a contract, one person say, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, marriages are, are like that. I'm done, I'm out of here. But in a covenant, both of you have to agree to dissolve the covenant. Well, God's not changing his mind, so you're stuck with him. Amen. So, uh, let's look at this. Um, I, I'm going to take just the box of authority and talk about that for a moment. And we're going to open up the hood a little bit this morning. We're going to get underneath the hood and look at some parts and things. And uh, forgive me for getting a little bit technical, but we have to do it in order for you to fully understand what's going here, going on. Authority. God gave humankind, and your first fill in the blank there is dominion. Dominion. Over the earth and all the creatures that lived in it. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, and, uh, but I want to take you back to Genesis 1 1 just for a moment. And uh, the first word in Genesis in Hebrew is Bereshit. And Bereshit is what they actually, uh, what Jews actually call the book of Genesis and the Torah. And uh, so it says, Bereshit bara. Elohim. And so Elohim is God's name, created. And then it says, eight Hashemayim, the heavens, and va'et, the, the earth. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And I would love to come to, back sometime and talk to you about creation because it, 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 it is so mind-blowing. You know, I'm just going to throw out one little thought here. It was on the fourth day of creation that he created the moon and the sun and the stars. Just, just so you know. Just so you know. Fourth day. You and I got created on the sixth day. I can tell that really impressed you. Okay. <laughs> so, Genesis 1.26. Let's read this together. And I've made some parenthetical statements along the way. I've put some parentheses in there. And I've added some commentary. But it says, God said, and this, this is an idea that God had. Keep this in mind. God is creating an idea and he spoke it into existence. And it said, let us make mankind in our own image and in our own likeness of ourself. And then I put a, a dark line there. All right. That dark line is to, to divide the first part of that verse from the last half of the verse. And it is that God is going to make mankind in his own image for a purpose. And he said, I want them to have or so that they may rule, I put the parenthetical statement there, that they may rule or have dominion. And it comes from the, the Hebrew word rada. Say that with me. Rada. All right. And later on, we're going to see that it, when the devil comes and messes with you, you can just tell him, listen, you mess with me, I'm going to rada you. I'm going to take dominion over you right now. You know, and understanding that uh, dominion means that you're going you're gonna to rule. You're not going to, whatever you say has to happen because you're in charge. Now, let's continue on. The rada part of it is known as an indirect volative in Hebrew. And there's actually a, a Hebrew symbol. Now, the letters there that you see, the Hebrew letters, those are consonants. Originally, the Hebrew was written with all consonants, and there, were no punctua there was no punctuation or anything. It was just one uh, Hebrew letter after another. And then la later on, the, the Masoretes came along and put what are called vowel points there. And so this is part of what would be referred to as a Masoretic text because the two little letters or the two little vowels be below the Hebrew letters, they look like tiny T's. Those are comets, and they carry the, uh, the pronunciation of ah as in father. All right? So that's the rada, and you le read it from right to left. Now, the indirect volative does this, and the reason that we divided this up is the whole reason that God said, let's make man in our image and after our like, not likeness was to follow for the purpose of. Say that with me. For the purpose of. Say it one more time. There you go. We got it. The purpose of ruling or having dominion. I often hear people say to me, Pastor or Dr. Ronnie, uh, what, what is my purpose in the world? This is your purpose. God created you in his likeness and after his image so that you could rule and reign in the earth. And, and he lists them here. To have 
dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and all the creeping things. Say creeping things. Okay, creeping things is translated here remish from the, the Hebrew word remis. And remis is reptile. That's my best, best reptile. Okay. So he said, and I think it's interesting that he made that statement because when he did, he included the person of Satan. Because Satan came to Adam and Eve in the form of a what? A serpent, a snake. Okay. And he said, you're going to have dominion over even the stuff that crawls on the ground. So I really wish someone would curse palmetto bugs. I hate those things. And while you're there, get the yellow flies and the mosquitoes and all of those kind of things. Because I hate them. And he says, you're going to be, have dominion over all the earth. Now, it's important that, to notice that in verse 27, it says that God made man both male and female. And I want to settle the issue right now. Women have the same authority that the men do when it comes to the authority of the believer. Genesis one twenty eight says, And God blessed them. It's vayavarek. Vayavarek. God blessed them. And the word vayavarek means to give, some, to empower someone. You understand that? Vayavarek. It's not just praying a prayer over them. It's giving them authority to do it. And so we're going to talk about the power. And, he said, and so I've included all of this here. And so God blessed them uh, to empower them. And the English translation says, and God said to them. But really, a better Hebrew translation of that would be, by saying to them. God blessed them, God empowered them by saying to them what their responsibilities are. You see that? Okay. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, have dominion over. So there are five imperative statements in Hebrew of the things that you're supposed to do. Listen to me. These are not suggestions. They're commands. God intended to, for us to do some stuff. He didn't just intend for us to just hear about it. In fact, there's a Hebrew verb, shama. The Hebrew word shama means to hear with the expectation of obedience. And we say that to those kind of things to our children all the time. Did you hear me? It doesn't mean do you have floppy ears hanging off the side of your head or do you have auditory capability. It means I told you to go to your room to clean up your room. Did you hear me? I'm expecting an obedience to that. When God says stuff to us, he expects us to do what he said to do. Can I get an amen? Okay, you're doing much better. All right. So, I, I needed to, to give that solid framework there because without it, 
man, we just run into some headlong issues when we start talking about oh, what is our authority and power. Because if we come into this thinking that God is the one that has all the authority, then we're going to sit back and we're going to say, God, you know, I wish you'd do this, and I wish you'd do that, and I wish you'd do something else. And God's going to look at us and He's going to say, but I gave you, I empowered you to have dominion. Now, one of the things you'll have to notice here, when he listed all of the things for us to have dominion over, he did not say dominion over other people. But our world is obsessed with dominating other people, controlling other people, kings and all of that sort of stuff. When, when the Jews were coming out of Egypt and they had gone into the promised land, all of a sudden they got to a place where they wanted a king like all the other countries. And God said to them, you're not going to like having a king because he's going to take your sons and your daughters and put them in, in uh, working for the, 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 uh, the kingdom and all that sort of thing. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your money from you. He said, you're not going to like it. If you will let me be your king, I will rule over you with love and justice but they cried out and God gave him a king gave him King Saul and he went nuts you know and then they gave him David and he went off the deep end for a while and so you know what happens is we don't have the capability in and of ourselves to be in charge of people God himself is better at that part of it, but God expects us to do some things in conjunction with him. How am I doing on preaching there? You getting something out of this? Okay, all right. So let's look at B, power. The keys that unlock heaven's, uh, the keys, I think I've got a typo there, that unlock heaven's power I don't know what it's supposed to say. All right. It's, do I have it right? The keys that unlock heaven's power have been given to the church. Thank you guys in the sound booth. Rescue me. Yeah, help the poor boy. So, so when, we, when we look at this, we begin to see in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. This is a huge uh, step in the right direction. And and Jesus was talking to his disciples. They had just finished doing some ministry. They came along. Jesus asked them a question. He said, who do men say that I am? And his disciples, uh, who, and the Hebrew word there is Talmudim. Uh, he said, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And, but he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And, Je- and Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood didn't, uh, didn't give you that revelation. That came from my Father. And he said, I'm going to change your name. And he changed his name to Rock. Yeah, he was uh, the first rock star. And so, um, so he changed his name. And he said, Upon this rock. Now, he's not talking about Peter. He's talking about the revelation that Peter had. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that meant that we were given the keys, and that's in uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, verse 19. And uh, so, but look here. I've added it in your notes. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, there were some things that Jesus, I mean, that uh, Peter did in setting up the church there in Jerusalem, and that had some context for that. But it also has spiritual context for you and I. Basically, Jesus was saying, God, uh, God the Father is going to stand behind what you do and what you say. What you permit, it'll be permitted. God is not going to override us. Do you understand that? That's huge, folks. God is not going to override us. That's why we need to have the Word of God. That's why we need to have biblical truth. That's why we need to understand our authority as a believer. That's why we need to operate in all four of these in a right alignment so that we don't get the whole thing messed up. We need to understand that we do have authority. And God has given us power. But yet we need to operate in knowledge and also compassion for people. Because if we don't, we're going to mess up that aspect. And we also need, <coughs> excuse me, need to understand our mission as uh, Talmudim, as disciples. Now you guys are all wanting a drink of water, I know. When, God, when Jesus gave his disciples that final commandment to go, <clears throat> to go in and uh, make disciples, he said to teach them everything that he had taught them. This is one of the things that he taught them. But in our churches today, I don't hear it talked about nearly as much as I think that we should talk about it sometimes. We talk about a lot of other things, but we don't talk about our real purpose for being here on the earth. And we are, and, and Pastor David alluded to this last week. He said, you know, we're salt. And I remember Pastor David saying, I love me some salt, you know. <laughs> we are salt because it, it, we are the spice of life. He also talked about the fact that we're a city set on a hill to give light. So... Anyway, and then there at the bottom, uh, there I, I've included all the parenthetical statements in uh, the one from authority, but I put it here under power. Because this says, why do we have the keys? Because God gave it to us in verse uh, uh, 28 of chapter 1 of Genesis. We can handle the keys because we have been empowered to do so. Now, I could hand my granddaughter the keys to my, my car, and she might even get it started up, but she's going to wreck that rascal because she's only five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why? Because she doesn't have the knowledge nor the experience to go along with it. And I'm going to give you a, a, an illustration of that. Let's look at knowledge and compassion is C, box C there. Because knowledge coupled with, say coupled with, compassion, frame our ministry to others. We are called to not only be blessed, but also be a blessing. Now, when you take this word when God empowered, he empowered them to give birth to children. And to make disciples. But he also empowered them to gain wealth. And I hear people sometimes talk about uh, the prosperity message. And, you know, if it's pulled out of alignment and gets weird, then it's not right. 
But I've also heard people say, well, you know, uh, Dr. Ronnie, I, me and my family, we've got all the, the money that we need. Well, you old stingy thing. Why don't you believe God some, for some more and give it away? You were empowered to be prosperous in the earth, to sow seed. Abraham was blessed, if you remember. He was blessed so that he could be a what? A blessing. So that he could turn around and empower someone else. You know, wouldn't it be exciting to go to, to uh, one of the grocery stores and, and tell the cash, uh, cashier, listen, I'm buying all the people's groceries that are standing in this, in this line behind me. And just plop down the, the money and do it. That you had it. Not that you put it on your credit card, but that you believed God for the resources to be a blessing. And so, here's a, an il- illustration in Luke chapter 9, uh, 53, through, uh, 53 through 56. Now, Jesus had gone and he went to, to Samaria. And he was on his way to Jerusalem, but the people in Samaria didn't allow him to stop there for very long. And so, James and John saw this, that Jesus wasn't well received there. And look what he says. This is, what, this is where my five-year-old granddaughter would, would be. They turned to him and said, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Destroy them? Well, why would they even think that? Why would they even think of a thought like that? Because they knew the Old Testament. They knew about Jeremiah. I mean, not Jeremiah. Elijah. And Elisha. But here, all of a sudden, they had seen some power, but they didn't couple it with compassion. And it was like, we can just burn these rascals up. We can fry them today. Heaven's barbecue pit is lit up. And Jesus had turned to him and says, you don't know what spirit you're of. You see, there was, you know, those squiggly lines we drew around the boxes. Demonic activity had drawn them out of alignment. And all of a sudden, they were wanting to use their power in a way that God, because he said, I didn't come to destroy people. I, was come, I came that they might live. Aren't you glad that someone didn't blow you up the first time you made a mistake? Fry you like a crispy critter. But they had grace on you. Because somewhere along the line, you made a a choice to give your life to Jesus Christ or you probably wouldn't be sitting here this morning. Not under the circumstances that we're operating in. And so, it's important that we couple, you see that tension there? We couple the power with the knowledge and the compassion so that we can really move in a place where we take the power of heaven to set people free. So, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I love telling this story. One day I went to Walmart. I've been working on my motorcycle. We're going to finish up here somewhere around 3 o'clock, okay? So just... (laughs) I've been working on my motorcycle, and I needed a a battery for my motorcycle. 
So I went to, to Walmart. I've got a cut-off sleeveless T-shirt. I've got grease on my pants. I've got grease under my fingernails. I am not looking like Dr. Ronnie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not looking pretty, not smelling pretty on Sunday morning. I'm just, I'm there. And this guy comes walking around the, the corner at Walmart, and he's walking like this, kind of stiff-legged. And uh, so I think, I'm going to lay hands on that guy and heal his knees. So I go over there. I ask him, I said, sir, you mind if I pray for you? He's like, no, I guess not. And his buddy had, had gone, uh, he was looking for one thing. His buddy had gone around the aisle to look for something else. So I lay hands on him and I pray, Father, I thank you that, uh, that uh, everything just like in heaven will happen on earth. Your will would be done on earth, just like in heaven. That's the, how the phrase goes. I'm trying to learn it myself. And, uh, and so I said, you know, I just prayed a short prayer. I said, now, bend your knees, see how they're doing. He did it a couple of times. I said, do they feel better? He said, no, not really. I said, well, let me pray for you again. So I laid hands on him and prayed basically the same kind of prayer. And I said, I said now try it again. He did like this. He said, huh. I said, did, are you doing any better? He said, no, not really. But I haven't been able to do this in years. <laughs> and his friend came back around the corner and he said, look, I haven't been able to do this year for years. This guy prayed for me. And I walked out of Walmart going, okay, God. What just happened? <laughs> I said, why did his knees not get healed? He said, because you didn't ask me what I wanted to do. Crickets. You see, I didn't check in with the Father. I just took the power that I thought I had, and I did have the power. And God did bless the man. But I didn't stop long enough to ask the, the king of the universe... What he wanted to do in that man's life. But he used, it, he used me in spite of my stupidity. He used it in spite of my lack of compassion. He used it in, 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 in a way that I didn't even expect. And it was a surprise to me. Because I didn't know anything about that guy's back. All I saw was just how he was walking. I, you know, I didn't notice that his back was kind of stiff. So the point that I'm trying to say to you is God wants to use his power through you to touch people and set them free. Because Jesus went about healing all that were blind and oppressed of the devil. Do you remember that in Scripture? Why? Because he wants to set people free. He doesn't want to fry them. He wants to liberate them. Man, that's good. Somebody should say amen on that one. <laughs> if you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. <laughs> because we see in 1 Corinthians, and I often see this verse used in some, kind of some strange ways here. But, um, you know, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And that's compassion. That's not ooey-gooey, I want to kiss you kind of love. That's, that's God's compassion for mankind. And then finally, our mission. 
Our mission is what we do, what we say, and how we respond. We are God's first responders in a world full of darkness. You have to have this biblical worldview to understand mission. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, John 10.10. But Jesus came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I see Christians attacked a lot of time and they don't understand what's happening to them. Well, James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there's a two-part stage to that. You understand? The first part is submit yourself to God. The second part is uh, resist the devil. Rada, the devil. Take dominion over him. And I've listed uh, some other verses there. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God is, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. And worship team, if you want to come, uh, 2 Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error. That's a key point. Correcting faults, giving instructions to, for right living. So that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every good kind of work or every good deed. But listen to me, church. I would be amiss, and for those of you listening online, that might say, you know, Dr. Ronnie, I'm, I'm not sure that I've ever understood this whole paradigm. And I've not understood what God had for me. Because I've never come to a place of committing my life together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's on our notes here. I want you to just, just look at me. You know, there, we, we do this religious thing of bowing our head and closing our eyes. If you need to do that, I'm not throwing rocks at you. Because that's a good way to not lose focus. But the Bible says to watch and pray. So pray this with me. I'm going to give you line for line, and we're going to say it together. If you've never committed your life to Christ, this is a good, good first start for you. God, I know that I've sinned against you. And I deserve punishment. But Jesus took the punishment I deserve. So that through faith in Him, I could be forgiven. I place my trust in you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful gift of grace and forgiveness. Thank you for your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, congregation. David.